traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Welcome to the Contrarian Investor Podcast. We give voice to those who challenge a prevailing sentiment in global financial markets. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be taken as investment advice. Guests were not compensated for their appearance, nor do they supply payment in order to appear. Individuals on this podcast may hold positions in the securities that are discussed. Listeners are urged to educate themselves and make their own decisions. This podcast episode may have ads and the occasional announcement. To listen without ads or announcements and take advantage of a host of other benefits, consider becoming a premium subscriber. Prices start at $9 per month. Visit the website contrarian.supercast.tech. That's T-E-C-H for more information. Now, here's your host, Mr. Nathaniel E. Baker. By the way, you don't need the .tech suffix to get to that website. .com will do the trick. And we also have a Substack that you can where you can sign up for the same prices, same benefits, same details, contrarianpod.substack.com. So if you already have a Substack account and use it or have the app and use that, that's probably the best way to go. So contrarian.supercast.com or contrarianpod.substack.com. Whole bunch of benefits, including, of course, getting this episode up to a week early without ads or annoying announcements. And you also get the daily contrarian briefing and podcast that is released every market day morning at 7 a.m., This is a contrarian take on the events of the day ahead and what is likely to move markets, such as economic data releases, earnings, and other things. It is really good, and that is completely unbiased, of course. So check that out, contrarianpod.substack.com or contrarian.supercast.tech. Now on with the show. Here with Jeremy Corden of Goldback, the founder of this company, I believe, out in Utah. Thank you so much for joining the Contrarian Investor Podcast today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you on. And we're here to talk about this concept of Goldbacks. And uh, I have have a bunch of questions here about this. You build this on your website as the world's first physical interchangeable gold money that is designed to accommodate even small transactions. So in your own words, tell me about this and what it's supposed to do and how it all works. You know, a lot of, a lot of folks that I've interacted with over the years, they want to go back to the gold standard or they lament the loss of the gold standard. And if you were to, you know, take a critical look at that, if you go back to Roman times with the, or or even a hundred years ago, the gold standard wasn't radically different. So for example, the Romans, if you wanted to buy bread or you know a dozen eggs or whatever, you weren't using gold. You know, you you were using something else. I mean, you're using uh, the widow's mite. 
right? You know, you're using like a little bronze or copper coin to buy your really small things. You know, maybe silver would be the right coin to use for buying a wedding feast worth of bread. And then, you know, a gold coin, I mean, that's your, that's your grain shipment from Egypt, right? That's a, that's a lot more, that's a lot more valuable. And there were small gold coins, but they were really, really, really small and they're still valuable. You know, you look at like the, the 10th ounce uh, gold coins a day, they're like, you know, about 200 bucks, Mm. you know, so it's not a small transaction. Yeah, even fast forward 100 years ago, and you still didn't have a gold standard. You had a tri-metal system with the government force-pegging three industrial metals together. You know, so it's, hey, 100 copper pennies is a silver dollar. 20 silver dollars is a gold piece. If anybody melts anything down because there's industrial demand outside the monetary system for those metals, you'll be hung. Mm. You know, so you hit the 70s. And, you know, even with all the inflation and the spending in the Vietnam War and everything else, for how long as a society do you want all of your copper to be inside your coinage? You know, if you have tens of thousands of industrial uses for silver, for how long do you want all the silver coins being worn out in people's pockets and not in solar panels or in medicine or in, you know, film or you name it? Gold's a little special. We only use about 10% of gold that's mined for industrial purposes, the other 90% is jewelry and, you know, gold bars and investments. Mm-hmm. So what makes the gold back special is a single gold back, the thousandth of an ounce of gold. It's worth almost four bucks. And that's your, that's your small purchase. That's your cup of coffee. That's your loaf of bread. That's your dozen eggs. That's a small transaction. And gold has never, ever, ever in thousands of years been good for those small transactions ever. Mm. You've always okay. needed copper. You've always needed silver. Right. So how does this work? So that is literally just a thin sheet of gold that you guys have manufactured there. Is that, is that what that is? Uh, no. So it's not like a foil. Um, okay. What we have is we have a, like a really uh, specific polymer okay. that goes through a vacuum deposition process. So we're talking micro technology. This is the same technology that puts gold into your cell phone mm. or your laptop or your car on microchips. So it goes into a chamber that's a vacuum, and then the polymer gets bombarded with very specific amounts of gold, and then it gets sealed in with another layer of polymer. So it's like a gold sandwich. In fact, everything that you can see on a gold bag is gold. So all the gold parts of the gold bag, you're actually looking at gold. And more importantly, I could take that apart and and transform that into actual physical gold again. I mean, you could could melt it down. Um, I think you would lose value doing that. Just, I mean... You can melt down your car and get your steel back, but you know, it's, it's more useful in this form one, because you have exactly one, one thousandth of an ounce. And that's a lot more useful than a BB who, who knows what it's made out of or what the purity is. You also have a, it's serialized. So you know, gold backs have never been counterfeited. It's just a very um, useful uh, bartering tool, I suppose. Okay. So you created this in 2019 mm-hmm. and but you still face the problem of, of circulating these things and getting mass adoption for them. So where are you in that process? You know what? It's hard to know how many people circulate them because once we, you know, once we sell them, we don't know what people do with them. But what we do know is that hundreds of businesses have signed up to advertise themselves as accepting gold backs as payment. In fact, you know, initially I was hoping that about 10% Five to 10% of businesses would be willing to accept gold backs as payment in lieu of cash. 
And we're finding that it's closer to 30 to 50% of small business owners are willing to take payment in gold in the form okay. of gold backs. Presumably because it keeps prices more constant. Is that the, the benefit? Because people are looking for choices. They're looking okay. for an alternative choice to, you know, this cashless society that other people want. Right. Right. And it's not, there's no blockchain stuff here. There's nothing, there's no, no. tokens. There's not, it's if not I, if I hand you, yeah. if I hand you a gold back, the transaction's over. That's the whole thing. There's no, there's no password. There's no 30 digit wallet. There's no internet supporting it. There's no exiting into cash on a, on an exchange with your social security number later. It's, it's been described as a superior form of cash. Right. It's a combination between gold coins and cash, I guess. Understood. And there's no digital, like there's, so there's not any way that I can, I can transfer somebody or put that in, into an account or trade off of it or, or do anything like that. You, you could. So there, there are gold back accounts. Um, one business in particular, Alpine Gold, they're a vaulting service and they will vault gold backs um, free of charge and they liquidate them at a zero spread. And people that have been, you know, buying gold backs, you know, we launched the $2 price point in 2019. And today, you know, they're closer, the average price is a lot closer to $4. Okay. So this does trade, I, I presume really freely, the gold mm -hmm. backs do. And they started off at, at $2. Um, is that, how much of that is tied to the price of gold and how much of that is due to its own intrinsic whatever? You know what? It's, it's both. The yeah, gold has gone up. So there's that. The other thing backing the gold back, though, is the fact that it takes labor to make it. You know, you're looking at about a team of 40 different people putting gold backs together. So there's a that that manufacturing premium stays with the gold back, just like it would with a car. Okay. You know, it costs a certain amount to turn the raw materials into the thing. So and then outside of that, you have demand. Uh, we've been very uh, reluctant to market gold backs too aggressively. Because when we do, it tends to wipe out our supply. Okay. Um, and so we've been very uh, timid, I guess, putting gold backs out there because every gold back that we can produce can be sold in, in pretty short order. There's hundreds of businesses that advertise themselves as accepting it. We have people coming back and telling me or telling us that people have spent gold backs all over the world. Really? You know, because again, it's, it's a barter transaction, right? You know, people uh -huh. can do that as much as they want. So individuals can do that. And, you know, even with businesses that aren't necessarily advertising themselves as doing it, you know, I mean, you think if you're in Israel at a garage sale and you pull out something like this and it's shiny and it's gold and it's beautiful and somebody wants it, they'll, they'll trade you something for it. Right. You know, it's just, it's just as good as bartering with gold. Other than that, it's in a very beautiful format and it's small denomination. So you're not handing them a $200 tiny gold coin that they better hope is real you know, it's a, it's a much lower risk. And again, gold backs have never been counterfeited. And it's worth four bucks. Mm -hmm. So presumably I would have to give change in, in the local fiat currency or whatever. Yeah, probably. I mean, we might, we might go smaller someday. The problem with that that we're running into is if we go much thinner than a single gold back, that they'll start to become transparent. Oh. So it's like, you'll see the gold, but it'll be more like a window than a gold back and you know, the ones are already produced kind of at a loss okay. um, or break even. So, you know, going smaller uh, right now is cost prohibitive. And so you guys make money by, by, by producing these things and circulating them and then selling them. 
selling them. We don't make any money on circulation. Once they belong to an individual, we're not, you know, Visa. I don't, I don't know what these are being used for unless somebody yeah, sure. tells me. Sure. And then there's five different denominations, right? So we have a one, a five, a 10, a 25. This is a 50 right here. Okay. It has 50 times as much gold as the one. Its value is 50 times higher than the one. How much of this is based also on, I mean, obviously we know about the, the perils of fiat currency and you may have done some research on this. I imagine you have on, on the longest lasting fiat currency, which I believe is a British pound. And even there, like the record is not very good for how long these things have, have um, lasted. So is, is it partly a bet on that, on, on fiat currency needing to be replaced at some point? or, or? I, I'm just offering another alternative, I guess. Yeah. You know, I don't have to make a prediction on fiat. You know, fiat's track history is what it is. If people don't want to participate in fiat currency, they don't have a lot of other choices right now. Right. They can do cryptocurrency. I've bought cryptocurrency. I think the problem that we're running into with cryptocurrency is that it's a bit volatile and speculative, mm -hmm. you know, and every cryptocurrency has a limited amount of how much can exist. But what's the limit on how many cryptocurrencies there can be? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's and that's not a that's not a, a dog on or a dig at cryptocurrency. It's just. You want to have lots of different alternatives out there. And this is just another niche that we're filling. This space for rent. If you own a small corporation, have a service, or even a podcast of your own that you wish to advertise, you can use the Contrarian Investor Podcast for this purpose. I will happily read an ad and shout out a link to your service at this stage of this podcast. So if you are interested, get in touch, email contrarianpod at gmail.com and let me know what you would propose. Obviously there are limits to the type of things that can be advertised, but rates are low. And there's other ways that this can be marketed as well using our Twitter account and of course the show notes. This distribution is pretty deep. We'll be happy to share any details. So get in touch, contrarianpod at gmail.com. There's also no type of uh, argument that as a disaster hedge is when, you know, if, there, if there's some kind of, uh, you know, the grid goes down or war or something like that, where you have no access to to cash. And, and what are what are your dollars worth in a war or in a EMP scenario? whatever somebody's willing to sell their goods for, I guess. Okay. And, and maybe, maybe that'll work for you for a while. Yeah. Historically, you know, looking at fiat currencies in kind of these collapse scenarios, they'll work for like the first couple of weeks. Yeah. And then, you know, people are playing musical chairs and they want out. Right. And then people start bartering, you know, they, right. they'll use, uh, you know, food or freeze dried food or, you know, uh, bullets, you know, they'll, they'll start bartering with other things. And then at that point, what do you want? Do you want to barter with, you know, the wrong caliber bullet or the, you know, the not gluten-free freeze-dried food they can't eat or cook or prepare, or they don't trust because it could be bad or, you know, so this just gives people more choices, you know, where you have a fungible currency made out of gold that's never been counterfeited. You know, a lot of people, and I've been working in precious metals for years and years. The reason why they buy one ounce gold coins is just in case. Yeah. And you can ask, you say, well, just in case of what? Yeah. What do you think is going to happen? Oh, you know, Yellowstone could go off. The, you know, the communists can invade. The, they can set off an EMP. You know, there, there's some horrible thing that can happen. 
where just in case my money, all my cash in my bank isn't an asset to me anymore. Like, okay, great. So now the next step is you have a one ounce gold coin that's worth $2,000 that can't easily be authenticated and is extremely valuable more so than most transactions you would make. Or you even look at silver. I love silver. I own a lot of silver. If somebody that I didn't know tried to barter with me in a crisis scenario with silver and I didn't have an authenticator, how can you trust that silver knowing how many counterfeits there are? Mm. And that's nothing against silver. It's just, it's, it's, it's an issue. It's, it's an issue that's present given, you know, how much, you know, fraud there is, you know, and we have a gold back, which again is smaller. It's a, it's the lowest denomination. It's the cheapest gold product you're ever going to find probably is the gold back where it's fungible is non-counterfeitable and it's designed to be useful for small transactions. And that's, you know, so yeah, we have a lot of preppers buying gold backs too. Wow. Very interesting. All right, cool. Jeremy Corden, I want to take a quick break and come back and ask you some more questions, how you came to create this thing in the first place. Yeah. But before we do that, I want to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. And if you don't want to hear this, actually, if you're a premium subscriber, you're not going to get the break. Don't go anywhere. Don't, don't touch the dial to become a premium subscriber and avoid these interruptions and take advantage of a host of other issues. Visit the website contrarianpod.substack.com and sign up. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Contrarian Investor Podcast, where we give voice to those who challenge a prevailing narrative in global financial markets. Consider becoming a premium subscriber. For $9 a month or less, premium subscribers receive a number of benefits. Podcasts are posted immediately after they're recorded. Transcripts are made available within 24 hours. Premium subscribers get direct access to the host and access to private channels on our Discord server. They also get generous discounts to our virtual conferences and other services. And of course, there are no ads or interruptions. Visit contrarian.supercast.tech for more information. That's contrarian.supercast.tech. Okay, welcome back, everybody. Here with Jeremy Corden of Goldback. Jeremy, this is the section of the show where we ask our guest to tell us a little bit more about himself in this instance, how you came about this this uh, part, I guess, this this idea, and how you then translate it into an actual business. And as well as we can go back a little further, just like your origin story, how you got interested in investing in the first place. So yeah, go ahead and, and, and um, let's talk about that. Okay, great. Um, where would you like me to start? Well, how do you get interested in this, in, in, in investing in general in the first place? Like, You know, for precious metals in particular, um, I had come off serving a mission. I was 21 years old. And I got wrapped up with the, the Ron Paul campaign of 2011. I guess that kind of dates me. Uh, but, you know, I was, I was a delegate for Ron Paul. And I grabbed just about all the content I could on things that he talked about. And one of them was sound money. And I thought that was absolutely fascinating. So that's, that's what got me interested in precious metals, I guess. When I was still in college, I had the opportunity of doing an internship for a group called the Libertas Institute. And Connor Boyack, he writes the Tuttle Twins. And then he's also got, yeah, it's the, it's the Libertas Institute. So I, I worked there 
And that's where I met my business partner, Larry, okay. who drafted the Legal Tender Act in Utah. Okay. So that's, okay. that's how I met Larry. And I, um, I became really interested in his business. I'd, I'd blog about it uh, online and he ended up getting a lot of traction from those blogs. And I offered to be his first full-time employee. I took a pretty big pay decrease, but I, my wife let me do it because I was super interested in precious metals. I'd, I'd grab everything I could while I was in college on reading on, on the side about metals. So um, I was able to kind of build a, a background, I guess, in precious metals that way. That's how I, I got into the space. Very interesting. But, but it sounds like you also came up across the limitations of precious metals as a currency of exchange, right? As a form of exchange. Yeah, and that that was kind of the point of the Legal Tender Act yeah. that was passed in 2011. Um, it was it was really designed to, I think, what Larry thought was that once we passed a law that allowed gold and silver to be used as money, that there were all these people in the wings that would just start doing it. When that didn't happen, we realized that there were some real issues with people using coins. You know, one of them is that they're not fungible. Uh, you know, they can be counterfeited and you know, you, you lose on spreads. So we built up a business, um, that was called the UPMA. Now it's called uh, Alpine gold, which is still around. And the model that we came up with for this first business that we did together was we wanted people to be able to vault gold and silver coins to buy them and to not have to deal with spreads. Hmm. So if you bought $5,000 worth of silver and it went up 10%, you could sell it for $5,500. Hmm. And the only thing that you'd have to pay is a membership fee and some vaulting fees. So, you know, you're paying a few bucks a month, but then you're not losing if you're going in and out of precious metals all the time. We thought that that was a huge barrier for people using metals and that business still exists. You know, there's still people that, you know, vault there. I think, I think they, I think they have over like a hundred million dollars worth of gold and silver now that are vaulted mm. at Alpine gold. Okay. Um, and they've been around for about 10 years. Um, the next thing that I did is a cryptocurrency. And I thought that maybe people, if they could break down gold a little bit more and get it a little bit smaller, that they would use it as money more. Right. And this is back in 2018 right. that we started this. It was a, a business called Quintric. And what I heard over and over again going to events was, if you don't hold it, you don't own it. And if you have a digital form of gold, then we don't trust you. Because even if we did trust you, the government could roll into your vault with tanks and take all the gold and then all our tokens are worth nothing. I, I heard some variation of that over a hundred times, which was frustrating because I was trying to market this crypto company. Um, there just wasn't the trust there. You know, people probably wouldn't trust the gold standard again because if you have a piece of paper saying you have gold somewhere and you don't trust the people who are vaulting the gold, you know, I mean... It's, it's better to just say you're not backing it with anything. You know, it's like, hey, at least we're being honest here with each other, right? You know, I mean, don't pretend there's gold there and have there not be gold there again. But no, I, I was doing that crypto company and that is around the time that I met Valorum. Valorum is the manufacturing company for gold back. And back then they made, I guess I shouldn't, you know, diss them, but they kind of made these novelty products, but... You know, so this is like the kind of stuff that they would make. I was fascinated with the technology itself. I thought, holy cow, you guys have gotten gold into really small increments and you made it really pretty. And 
you know, I was so infatuated with what they're doing that I ended up helping them raise all sorts of money for their business. And after that, they trusted me enough that they were pursuing other things that they could possibly do. And it was around that time, you know, Adam Trexler, the president of Valorum, he approached me and said, hey, I want to do something else with you guys uh, or something with you in particular because you've you know, been helping me. I had this dream and in this dream, people were using kind of these Willy Wonka tickets and they were buying stuff like it was money. They were they were like buying uh, like food at a farmer's market and they were getting change in this, mm. you know, and I woke up and I thought, oh, my gosh, these things are just money. They can have different increments. The whole thing can just be gold. You know, the whole thing can just be gold. And that was kind of the nexus for starting Goldback. Hmm. Sick of me yet? Become a premium subscriber and avoid all ads or interruptions. Other benefits as well. Visit contrarian.supercast.tech for more information. And now the, the legal uh, you know, hurdles here, obviously not anybody can just create a currency or can they in Utah? How, do, how does that work? You mentioned this, this, this law. So state law. So Goldbacks operate off state level laws in every state that Goldbacks exist. The state law in Utah authorizes gold and silver as legal tender. And because Goldbacks are 24 karat gold, they're a 24 karat gold product, they've already been authorized by the state. Okay. No one's just made a as convenient as a currency as we did. So we very much followed state law in making the Utah gold back. And then as um, Larry and the rest of the legal team looked, we were able to find many laws in other states that allow gold backs to be used there as well. But not all other states. Um, there are some states that charge sales tax on gold that we shy away from. You know, so we don't we don't really want to be there. But we are operating off state level laws, not federal law. Okay, but you still have you've received reports, I guess, or that that this is being used in other states. Other People can barter with gold products yeah. anywhere in the world that it's not prohibited. Of course. So, like for example, let's say uh, the state of Hawaii. Hawaii has a sales tax on gold. If somebody brought their own gold backs to Hawaii and did a barter transaction with their gold backs in Hawaii. How would that be any different legally than bartering with a bag of rice or a chocolate bar or a gold coin? Right. right. What we don't do in Hawaii is we don't support that behavior with a network of advertised businesses in Hawaii that will accept gold backs. We only do that in states that have an official gold back series. Understood. Okay. So there, there is a difference in terms of how we behave based off those state laws. Understood. Okay. What uh? And so, what is the breakdown, pretty much, as far as states that charge sales tax versus those on gold versus those that don't? You know, I want to say there's like there's fewer now than there used to be. I want to say there's somewhere between eight and twelve states okay, that still so charge sales few. tax. Yeah. I know Tennessee just dropped theirs. Okay. Um, but it's not it's not like a blue state red state thing. Okay. Oddly enough. Right. Yeah, I thought everything was nowadays. Um, and no, also. It's just, there's red states and blue states that charge sales tax on yeah, metals. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and how much is circulating now out there? Like how much have you created and how much of it is out there? That's a really good question. I'd have to look at the latest numbers, but there, there are millions, millions of gold backs. I want to say that it's going to be in the ballpark between eight and 12 million gold backs. So you've created eight and 12, somewhere in there, million gold backs and sold those. Yeah. So we can actually sell everything we can produce. 
we can't produce gold backs fast enough to meet the current market demand. Uh-huh. And who are these buyers? Are, are they just individuals? Or are they are they Goldback is a wholesaler? I thought that Goldback would be a really great thing for the precious metal space in general. What I've heard is that a lot of the market, you know, especially for numismatics and precious metals, is aging out a little bit. Um, younger generations aren't as excited by precious metals as the older ones are. What Goldback has done for the precious metal space is that 75% of people that own Goldbacks are brand new to precious metals. Hmm. And a lot of them are very young. Our age demographic, our core demographic is between the ages of 20 and 40. So it's pushing a lot of fresh blood into the precious metal space. And then these people are you know, going on to learn more things and uh, get interested in numismatics and other forms of bullion. Um, you know, we've been dramatically growing the size of the precious metal space over the past few years. Hmm. And that's, I think, uh-huh. I think that's why metals dealers are interested. Goldback itself is a wholesaler. I don't okay. sell goldbacks direct to any individual. I, I only sell goldbacks to businesses. I see. So if you look at, you know, Money Metals or Bullion Max or Finest Known or Defy the Grid or Alpine Gold, we have a list of businesses on goldback.com where you can see who sells uh, goldbacks, who's retailing goldbacks. Oh, I see. So you have to go to those if you wanted to buy. I wouldn't be able to buy. Right. Yeah. You don't, you don't go right to goldback.com to buy direct. Okay. We're not a, we're not a, a direct to consumer business. Okay. Understood. Understood. And so these, and so your clients then are, like you said, wholesalers. Yeah. They're, um, well, they're distributors. Okay. They're metals distributors. Any like jewelry stores or anything like that? Any of these like. Well, there's a few. I mean, we, we put the, the online businesses on our site. If you include kind of like the, you know, the, the coin shops and things, we have over a hundred dealers in the United States selling gold backs right now. Okay. And the, the only reason why it's not more than that is again, we're, we're limited with our supply. I think of, in another, yeah, well, we have a bottleneck, you know, I mean, every gold back that's made has to go through a $10 million machine. You know, that's a, it's not, they're not foil, you know, I'm not, I'm not rolling these things out in my garage. You know, this is a very, very um, high tech product. Okay. And so I would imagine it's sold at a premium then to, to gold because for a number of reasons, that being one. Sure. If it takes 40 people to make something and it's going through a, an expensive vacuum deposition process, we are adding value to it. Yeah, yeah, it used to be that, that something like this, um, you know, the, the earlier products that Valorum made carried anywhere from like a 400 to an 800% premium. Um, that was more normal for something like this. With the investment that we've been able to get in, we were able to push premiums down closer to 100%. And the one denomination is sold at a loss. So really? it's, it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a loss leader, right? Okay. So we're, we're actually really proud of that. Um, I think people look at our premiums and they say, hey, you know, these guys are doubling their money on gold, but you know, really almost all of that is eaten up in the manufacturing process. Yeah, it sounds like um, but, but we are adding value to the gold, right? I mean, you wouldn't yeah. go... You wouldn't go to a car dealership and try to, you know, negotiate a vehicle at melt, right? Yeah. Or you're not, you're not going to try to get a, you know, a number two pencil at the value of the spot price of wood. You know, I mean, if you, as soon as you add value to a material, um, you know, the price totally. goes up. Yeah. Yeah. Understood. Um, all right. So then what, what about your own investing style and your own investments? Is it, is it a lot of it in precious metals or, or how do you go about um, distributing your, your own stuff? 
So I'll tell you something that your customers probably haven't heard or you know, your customers, but your, your people, listeners, yeah. um, there's your listeners. Um, one financial product that I use myself that you haven't heard about is a goldback lease. So you can actually buy a giant pile of goldbacks and because we need them for cycling inventory, if you go to Alpine Gold, you can buy a pile of goldbacks and then lease them to Goldback Inc. to be used as inventory. And the returns on gold are as high as three and a half percent. So you can own gold and get a return on gold and put your gold to work for you. Okay. What if the gold price goes down? Then you're carrying that risk. What if the gold price goes up? You know, what you have is a pile of gold, but usually if you buy gold, you're paying vaulting fees. Yeah. And it's not making more gold. It's just kind of sitting there as a hedge. So what folks are doing is they'll take some of their gold coins or their silver coins, they'll liquidate it, and they'll do these gold back leases where, again, prices of gold backs have nearly doubled in three years. They'll buy this pile of gold backs, and then it's a growing pile of gold backs because we're using those in our um, cycling inventory process. Right. Okay, cool. That's very interesting. All right, so you can do that. Uh, and it sounds like you do that a little bit. Yeah, I've, I've got some of my own money in there because, you know, why not? You know, it's yeah. a way to put my gold to work. Sure. Um, you know, I, I also own, you know, I've got I've got a box of gold backs. I've got, you know, some silver eagles. I'm actually getting out of my gold coins because I don't, I don't know what I'm going to use them for. The only thing yeah. they're good for in my mind is turning them back into cash at some point. And that's, yeah. you know, I'd rather have a form of gold that I could spend. So I'm getting out of my gold coins. You know, that's just me, you know, that's not, you know, maybe what everybody wants to do. Um, yeah. And you're saying that these, that the, the physical goals, people want to get rid of it. They can, they can use it in, in the manufacturing. They can lend it, lease it to gold. Yeah. They, they, we'd convert yeah. it into gold backs at that point. You'd own gold backs and then you'd put it into a lease and you'd start getting a, a return on your gold. Okay. So it's a growing pile of gold. Interesting. Interesting. And so if somebody has gold coins or they have, gold bars or anything like that sitting around we could totally do conversions and that yeah. those those aren't done by uh gold back directly they're done yeah. through alpine gold okay okay what about other investments that you make are there other investments um private small private business equity it's kind of a high risk high return space you know mm. i mean you can totally get burned investing in a small company um i've had a lot of those investments become really worthless <laughs> mm. But, you know, I'm, I'm a young guy, you know, so I can I can take these kind of risks, I guess. Um, a few of my other businesses have done really well. Um, Alpine Gold's done really well. Quintric didn't do that well. Uh, Goldback's done really well, mm. you know. So most of my wealth is in private equity, Got I it. suppose, yeah. uh, and Not real estate. Not private equity funds, there's a difference. Unless no, private, yeah. It's uh, equity and uh, private, small private businesses. Understood. Very cool. And so you're seeing now that the uptake here, you're seeing an increased demand uh, for, for these gold backs. Mm -hmm. And you think that this is something that's, that's going to take off. And, and well, it, it, it has, again, yeah. you know, we've been able to sell every gold back that we can produce. There's a huge amount of interest and excitement in the space for these gold backs. And, you know, we set up gold back as a corporation. Um, and we've, we've done a couple capital raises with gold back. Um, but really it's, as a wholesaler, we don't have a whole lot of operating costs, you know? I mean, we have to do like the artwork on these things and manage the distribution network, but it's been, it's been a good business to own. Um, it's not as lucrative as people might think it is, mm. you know? 
I'm not, I'm not making a hundred percent of these things. It's, it's actually a lot more comparable to being a different, you know, precious metals wholesaler, but it's, it's been decent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you have anybody that comes, you mentioned that you have younger demographics getting interested mm-hmm. in this. Have you seen any people from like crypto kind of bailing out of the crypto land and going to you? Because they, I think they would, might be potentially. At different times. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we had, we had one investor in gold back. They invested about a million dollars. And they sold their Bitcoin when it was about fifty thousand dollars a Bitcoin. That was smart. But it was on the downward slope, you know. And you know, by the time we were able to to liquidate it, it it gone down even from there. So, mm. you know, um, we've seen things like that. I think retailers see that a lot more, like Defy the Grid and Money Metals. They'll see people spending their uh, cryptocurrency and buying gold backs with yeah. them. Yeah. Um, I don't see that as often because again, the, the people that we're at, interacting with are distributors. Right, 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 right. So I, I don't, I don't see the end users dumping crypto and buying gold backs. But I know that there, there's a lot of overlap in the same space of people looking for alternatives, mm. and that's part of why I don't want to knock crypto. You know, I've, I own crypto too, um, but they're definitely attracting to people. They're, they're both attractive to people that are looking for alternatives. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the difference is that uh, the goldbacks are actually usable and cryptos. Well, I guess the jury is still out. It's 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 usable, but it's different. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. if if I wanted to spend a goldback across the country, you know, if I wanted to send you a goldback, it would be harder than sending you a Bitcoin, right? Uh yeah, sure. Yeah, no question about it. So that. you know, I mean, a goldback is you know, if you're in person, that's a lot easier. Mm. You know, it's it's instant. So, you know, and it could be that we have a goldback cryptocurrency one day that's backed by goldbacks. Mm. But, you know, then we got to go over the, the trust bridge again of, well, how do you know it's really there? You know, it's like, I guess you have to trust the words of this. Or if you don't trust them, you can take physical delivery and you'll just have to deal with trusting people. So you have the convenience of kind of these, you know, um, long distance transactions. Understood. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, very cool. Wow, that's all very fascinating. Jeremy Corden, thank you so much for joining the Contrarian Investor Podcast today. Maybe in closing, uh, if you could tell us, our listeners, how to find out more about you and about your, I don't know if you are on the social media, um, the website goldback.com. I'll put all mm-hmm. that information in the show notes as well. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's just goldback.com. We've got, you know, just about everything you want to find there. We've also got some social media, you know, we've got a, we've got a Facebook page and there's a group on Reddit and, oh yes, uh, you know, there's Instagram, YouTube, you know, we've got a, a few different places where you can but not Twitter. Over on Twitter or not, you know, I think, I think we reserve the handle, you know, we're thinking about trying out Twitter now that, now that it's a free speech platform. Uh, yeah. So, well, free speech, it doesn't upset Elon Musk, but yes. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the Elon Musk platform. Mm. Yeah. So, well, there you go. Right. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jeremy. Really appreciate you coming on. Thank you all for listening. And we look forward to speaking to you again next time. Thank you for listening to the Contrarian Investor Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. To subscribe to this podcast, simply open your favorite podcast software and search for Contrarian Investor. Follow us on social media by searching for Contrarian Investor on Twitter and Instagram. Send us your thoughts on feedback at contrarianpod.com. We look forward to speaking to you again next time. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. 
Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.